Welcome to Teachers Make the Leap, a show that empowers educators to build online businesses they love and revolutionize the way work shows up in their lives. I'm your host, Kristen. And I'm your host, Hillary. We're two former teachers who have successfully made the leap from classroom to entrepreneurship. If you dream of finally leaving teaching to be able to make your own schedule and increase your earning potential, join us each week as we explore real ways to get there through online business. Welcome to another episode of the Teachers Make the Leap podcast. Today, we have a special guest expert with us who we are so excited to chat with, Stephen Jarvis. Stephen is a CPA, tax planner, and co-founder of Retirement Tax Services, a firm that partners with financial advisors to deliver expert tax planning strategies alongside traditional financial and retirement planning. Stephen has over 10 years of experience as a CPA, and he is known on LinkedIn as the least boring CPA. I've been connected with Stephen on LinkedIn for probably several years at this point, um, and I've also had the pleasure of meeting him at a conference that we both attended this fall. So I can absolutely attest to the fact that he is indeed the least boring CPA. He showed up to the conference wearing a very flashy tracksuit that was really stood out. So we're so excited to have Stephen on today. Um, I know that for me, even being the daughter of a CPA, when I was making the transition between, you know, W-2 employment to being self-employed, I had no idea what was going to happen with my taxes. It was very daunting for me. I knew that my tax situation was going to change um, and I wanted to make sure that I was fully prepared for that. So Stephen, thank you so much for coming on to chat with us today and, and share your expertise. Yeah, Hillary, I'm so excited to be here. It's always great to meet other people who are excited to talk about taxes. Uh, I, I genuinely have a smile on my face when I discuss taxes. I know that most people don't find it to be a fun topic, but to your point, it is a really impactful topic. It's one that all of us are affected by. And I found that by having open and honest conversations about it, we can take some of the pain out of the process. This isn't going to be about making sure you never pay taxes again. That's how we get in tax jail. But there are things we can proactively do and proactively learn to make sure that, that we're taking as much pain out of the process as possible. Stephen, I love that uh, you're here to make like light of this for us and to help us understand taxes in like a really <laughs> layman's terms type of way. Um, before we dive into some nitty gritty questions and really give our listeners some advice on how they can just kind of think about and approach taxes as entrepreneurs, which might be a little bit different than the way they approach their taxes now, um, we'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So would you mind just walking us through maybe the, um, you know, the Cliff Notes version of how you became a CPA and why you were interested in this type of work? Well, since your podcast is for teachers, I, I feel like I got to go all the way back to my like high school days when I, I, I'm sure none of your listeners were any of my high school teachers, but I just like to apologize to teachers across the board for high school students who lacked ambition or put in any sort of effort. Uh, it, does, it does get better when they, when they find that drive in life. Uh, if you looked at my high school transcript, you would not expect that I went on to not only get a bachelor's degree, but a master's degree and teach in a master's program. It took me a while to figure out the importance of academics. And I certainly appreciate all of the teachers putting in the hard work and putting up with nonsense from students like me. So that, that's, that's, the, that's the way back. I feel like anytime I'm talking to teachers, I, I've got to share that. But uh, out, of, out of high school, I didn't particularly think that college was important. I took a couple of years off of doing anything academic and then did eventually start going to community college because they wouldn't let me into a real university. 
I started taking accounting classes and they were a lot easier for me than my classmates. And there were a lot of jobs in accounting. So I made a very practical decision and got into accounting, became a CPA, and then realized very quickly I was not a stereotypical CPA. I can make eye contact, I can carry a conversation, all those types of things. And so my career has, I spent years in traditional public accounting firms and then uh, getting close to three years ago now, became an entrepreneur myself, not something I thought I would ever do but something I've really enjoyed doing and probably not quite the, the leap from a tax standpoint for me that it is for other people just because I spend a lot of time on this stuff. But if you've only ever been a W-2 employee, wading into the tax landscape of being an entrepreneur, being self-employed, being a business owner is a drastic uh, difference. And so I, whether I'm talking to entrepreneurs or people who will always be W-2 employees, I, I talk a lot about long-term planning and my whole focus is speaking about taxes in a way that allow people to take action. And so um, Google can recite all of the tax code for you. My job is to, to talk about this in a way that's digestible. I talk about explaining taxes uh, in crayon and not to insult anyone's intelligence, but to say that, hey, this, this is a new topic, one you're not familiar with. And if I can't simply illustrate the concept, then I'm not doing my job right. I love that. And you actually, you know, speaking of the tax code, it reminds me of this post that you made on LinkedIn just the other day about how when you're looking at the tax code or you're trying to understand the tax code, you don't really need to try to make sense of it or you don't need to understand the why behind the tax code. You just need to know what you have to do to follow it, right? Yeah, I think because of how complicated taxes are, uh, people get really stuck on hey, let, let, let me understand the why, let me understand the, the rationale, the history behind all this. Just skip past all of that. You just need to accept that behind every tax rule is a lobbying group. And we, we don't make this whole podcast political because it happens on every end of the political spectrum. But most tax rules are about driving behavior, not about generating revenue. And so skip past any logic and just go with, let's focus on understanding the tax rules that are applicable to you so that you can comply with them and so that you can be proactive and save on taxes where you can. That's great. So I think we would love it if you would just walk us through what are the very basic bones of what somebody needs to know and kind of be prepared for when they are making the transition from W-2 employment to entrepreneurship? What are the biggest differences in their tax situation that they should kind of be prepared for? The most immediate thing that comes to mind is that your tax situation goes from being almost automatic to being very manual. When you're a W-2 employee, for, for most of us, we, we start as W-2 employee, we fill out a W-4 on our first day that we probably didn't even realize was a tax form that said, here's what my filing status is. And then the payroll department takes care of everything. They withhold our taxes, They whether both federal and state. And then at the end of the year, for a lot of W-2 employees, we're, we're going to H&R Block, we're going to TurboTax, we're doing our taxes ourselves because it's really just a timing reconciliation of how much was withheld during the year and was that enough? Do I get a little bit of a refund? Do I make a little bit of a payment? There's not a lot of thought or consideration that has to go into our tax situation. Now, in contrast, when we become an entrepreneur for the first time, now all of a sudden we're responsible for everything. Now, instead of someone else just withholding a set percentage from our semi-monthly paycheck, we've got to say, okay, what's what? how much was our total income? What was the cash in the door? What was revenue in the door? What expenses can get deducted against that before I have to start calculating the amount of taxes that are due? And oh, by the way, 
before when I was a W-2 employee, I probably only thought about income tax at the end of the year. I wasn't thinking about FICA taxes, about payroll taxes, Social Security and Medicare, this other seven and a half-ish percent that was coming out of my paycheck. And I definitely wasn't thinking about the fact that my employer also had to match that. And so now as an entrepreneur being self-employed, I've got my income tax that could be 10, 12, 22, 24%. And on top of that, I've still got not only my payroll taxes, my FICA taxes, I'm now both the employer and the employee. And so for a lot of a lot of W-2 employees who make that switch, the first couple of years can be really painful learning firsthand just how much you have to pay in taxes. So... Steven, I can absolutely relate to those first few years of self-employment, especially when my expenses were so low. And so almost all of the money that I was making was coming straight to me and the taxes felt really high. So are there any tips or I just almost kind of like maybe even mindset shifts that you maybe talk to new entrepreneurs about when they're trying to stomach just how high taxes can feel in those first initial years? Yeah, so some of this is is behavioral more than it's math based. So mm -hmm. is, it, it depends a little bit on what that transition looks like. If you're going to gradually step into entrepreneurship, what I'll see is some new entrepreneurs letting their self-employment taxes still get covered through their W-2 withholdings. And I get where the logic comes from that. But from a behavioral standpoint, you want to start from day one knowing that in your in your bookkeeping, in your cash flow management, that taxes are going to be part of the picture. And I would start estimating really high. I would start by setting aside in a savings account, probably 40 plus percent of your revenue as potential taxes. So that way, when you get to the actual tax payments, you're going to be pleasantly surprised that you don't have to pay quite that much. But you can easily go from paying 12 or 22% income tax to 30 plus percent. And I'm only talking about the federal level. If you're in a really fun state like California or New York, you might pay closer to 50% of your uh, self-employment income in taxes. So right out of the gate, you, you just need to get in that habit of setting that cash aside, put it in a savings account specifically for taxes so that we're not adding underpayment penalties or surprise tax bills on top of the, the, the fun and stress of starting a new business. Yeah, this is such good information for someone to know. You know, when I first started, I, I think I was saving around 30% um, of my revenue into a savings account knowing for taxes. I love that you're recommending to start even higher because the worst thing that can happen is that all of your savings go to taxes. And then the best thing that can happen is they don't all go to taxes. And then you have extra money at the end of the year to play with, whether you put that into your retirement account or that goes back into your household, whatever it might be. Um, I just want to point out, this is one of the reasons why Kristen and I talk so much about the importance of really pricing your services accordingly and recognizing that um, what you need to earn in your business is going to be more than what you need to earn as a W-2 employee, because it is expensive to be a business owner. The tax burden falls entirely on your shoulders rather than being shared with an employer. And so I just, I love this kind of recommendation you gave. Of course, it, it could be different for everyone, depending on where you live and what your total household income is made up of and things like that. Um, but I, I do think it speaks to the fact of you have to be really careful about what you price and how you set your rates as a business owner, because your expenses are so much higher. 
Well, especially for people coming from a teaching background, where as a W-2 employee, your, your salary is essentially dictated to you, right? You might, you might have some ability to, to ask for raises or influence the amount of money you make, but it's very limited. It, it, it's, it's, I, I put in my hours and here's how much I make. When you become a business owner, it can be really hard to shift that mindset and really embrace the fact that all pricing is arbitrary. All of these numbers are completely made up. And so you've, to your point, you've got to think about this from a standpoint of what's going to allow me to provide the valuable service that I'm here to offer. This isn't about how, how, do, I, how do I gouge people and make as much money as possible. If you're not charging a sufficient fee to be able to profitably run your business, you will go out of business and you will no longer provide service to anyone. And so you have to be able to run your business at a profitable margin. That has to include considerations for taxes. And especially with new entrepreneurs, quite often it can be harder to convince people to set aside profit every month to try to plan ahead for what they expect they're going to make for the year, as opposed to if I scare them a little bit and tell them, hey, the IRS is coming for you, make sure you set aside the taxes. That's that's usually a little bit easier one for people to embrace and say, oh, well, of course I have to set aside money for taxes. And we can start building those habits early on. Mm, I love that. So what are some of the biggest tax mistakes that you've seen new business owners make in their first few years in business? So the, I mean, the one we've already been talking about of not setting aside enough for taxes, of misjudging just how much will be due. And then again, as you make this transition from someone else took care of it for me all year to I have to now make estimated payments and set this money aside. I've seen people get themselves in a lot of trouble getting to the end of the year and saying, oh, crap, how do I come up with $20,000 to pay the IRS or whatever that number is? Uh, a couple of other things that might not immediately seem tax related, but they help. Making sure you have separate bank accounts or a separate credit card or a very clear line of how you're tracking your business expenses. Because I'll tell you what, trying to remember what you spent money on nine months ago is not fun. You want this in a separate account. So when we get to tax time, we can more easily say, okay, here were all of my business expenses and not, wait, was that trip to Walmart for office supplies or was that for my kids' clothes? Because we want to make sure that every possible deduction that can go through the business is going through the business because now not only are we offsetting income tax, we're offsetting payroll taxes where it's going to have a much bigger impact. So you're probably not going to hire a bookkeeper on day one in a perfect world. I would tell everyone to do that. But hey, there's there's costs that come along with this and you you can do it yourself. You just have to have a system that works from day one. And that can be as simple as I have a separate credit card that on a monthly basis, I'm categorizing things. That's a great place to start. In fact, you're leaps and bounds ahead of most entrepreneurs if you start there. But trying to look back over 12 or 15 months to say, wait, what were my expenses? You're going to get it wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you know, as online business owners, when we're looking for an invoicing software, I think it's so important. It has been for me, at least in those initial days to find an invoicing software that also has some accounting features as well that you can just link your your business bank accounts to. And it makes it really, really easy to do your own bookkeeping in those initial days. So um, I think that's great. Could you talk a little bit more about this idea of paying quarterly estimated taxes? I'm not sure if our listeners are maybe familiar with what what those are and how to figure out how much you need to pay. Yeah. So there's definitely a few things that go into this, but again, that transition from W2 where someone's withholding my taxes and I never really think about it to being a business owner where the, regardless of how we make our money, the IRS expects us to pay taxes as we go. They, uh, this is one piece of logic that 
the IRS probably got right is that they want you to pay your taxes when you have the money to pay the taxes. So if you're making money in Q1, the IRS wants you to make a tax payment that's associated with that. So there are there, there's four quarters in the year. There's four estimated payment deadlines. They the, these, these are ones that you always want to go back to. Just Google it because they don't all totally make sense because the Q1 payment is actually due in the middle of April. The Q4 payment is due in the middle of January. It's all a little screwy, but it's about every three months. But uh, you can make those payments online through the IRS's website. I, I recommend that if at all possible, you never ever send paper or paper checks to the IRS. It's a good way to get things lost. Another, another uh, quick little tip, sometimes things will get misapplied or we, we make mistakes and forget things. I always recommend that our estimated payments end with a number that corresponds with the quarter. So for really a simple example, if you're making $1,000 estimated payments every quarter, Q1 should be $1,001, Q2 should be $1,002, Q3, $1,003, and so on. Because then it just it's, it's a quick little trick for our record keeping to see where we're at. As far as estimating how much we need to pay, Again, I'm going to start, especially for newer entrepreneurs who aren't as sure what their payments are going to look like. I'm going to start a little bit on the aggressive side, just because as, as a business owner, as a taxpayer, one of the worst ways to tip the IRS is under payment penalties. They're totally avoidable. And so let, uh, I'll start with 30 or 40% of how, how much am I, what's the cash I'm bringing in? And let's set that aside in a savings account. And then on a quarterly basis, we can take that a little bit of a step further and say total revenue minus expenses, and then take, you know, as for a nice round number, we can start with 30%. Let's pay that in. There's some, what are called safe Harbor provisions that especially as our business is growing are going to help us out that if we don't get that exactly right, we're not going to get killed in penalties all at once, but we've got to be making payments on a quarterly basis. And we've got to at least be getting in the ballpark. I love that. So kind of switching gears here, what are some maybe tax opportunities that new business owners can get really excited about? We've been talking about, you know, the tax burden is all on your shoulders. Your taxes are going to be higher. It's, it's all been kind of negative, but there are also some really great tax benefits to being a business owner. So can we talk about what some of those might look like? Yeah, right out of the gate, even if you I mean, start by listening to great podcasts, I, I mean, Google has good information. I mean, do spend a few minutes looking at what are the expenses I should be tracking as a business owner? Because as a W-2 employee, you basically have no opportunities to take any of the expenses in your life and deduct them for tax purposes. Now, we don't want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and be one of these people who assumes that just because I have a business, I can deduct everything. But we do need to be really intentional about this. And sometimes this can be expenses you're already incurring that we can now assign at least a portion of to our business. This can be your cell phone. This can be your internet bill. This can be the laptop you're using. This can be mileage on your car, depending on the type of business we're running. One of the things that I love talking to business owners about uh, is that, it, it, so in, in my business, I, I travel around for work. I go to different conferences. I go to different events. I have meetings in person. And so anytime I travel, for work, I immediately started looking at opportunities to incorporate family travel or personal travel into that. That's how I pick where I'm doing races. That's how I pick where I'm taking my family on vacations. Because now I had to fly to that place anyways. So you and I were in New Orleans for a conference. So as soon as, as soon as I know I'm going to New Orleans, I'm looking at what else do I want to do? Do I come a day early and meet up with friends? And since, since I have to fly to New Orleans for the business trip anyways, the entire, the entire plane ticket is now deductible for my business, even though I'm going to use some of that time for personal expenses or per, per, personal 
um, events. Now, I'm not going, if I stay an extra week, I'm not going to deduct that entire hotel for the extra week. But again, I had to pay for a, a flight. Uh, when I bring my family with me, I had to pay my, for a hotel room anyways for the business work I'm doing. So I'm not now allocating part of my hotel room to my family and not deducting that. I'm deducting the entire hotel room because I had to have the hotel room. Same with a rental car. And so there's there's some of these areas where we can think a little bit more intentionally to make sure that we're putting through the business what we can. Right out of the gate, one of the ones that's going to make a it's going to make a huge difference that you didn't realize you were getting a tax benefit for as a W two employee is your health insurance. This can health insurance is not cheap, and we want to make sure that we're we're capturing that for the business and. Uh, this is one of those great places where we, we, again, we don't have to go through and say how much of my health insurance was for me versus my spouse versus for my kids. It's, hey, I'm paying for health insurance and here's where it goes on my tax return and it's going to adjust my income. And so we, we want to mm -hmm. make sure that, again, we're tracking those things throughout the year so that we're not playing a guessing game at the end of the year of, hey, what should I throw back through my business? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So if you could give one piece of advice, and maybe it's something that we've already kind of chatted about at this point, but if you could give one piece of advice to teachers specifically who are thinking about making this leap from classroom to online business, what would your one piece of advice be? Don't let the taxes scare you away from doing this. They ta mm -hmm. Taxes are intimidating. Uh, I'm not trying to sugarcoat what we've been talking about. There, there are some differences that you need to get your arms around. But there, there's resources available. A lot of this you can do on your own, especially as you get things started and, and until you get to the point where you're at a size where it makes sense to hire someone else to do this. But don't let that scare you away from, from taking the leap. I mean, you're interested in doing this because of some kind of service that you can perform or, or value that you can add to other people. And so, so don't let things like taxes get in the way of you doing what you're really excited about, what you're really passionate about. I love that piece of advice so much. Kristen and I always say everything is figure outable. And this is one of those things that is absolutely figure outable. And you don't even have to know everything that you will need to know about taxes in the beginning. You can also kind of learn as you go. Um, but this has been such an amazing conversation, Stephen. I think you've given our listeners so many good things to think about and some tangible tips as well. So um, I would love if, you know, as we wrap up, you can tell people where they can find you. Um, I can attest to the fact they should absolutely follow you on LinkedIn. But where else can they find you if they want to learn more about you and, and how you might be able to, to kind of help them on their journey? Yeah, LinkedIn's definitely the base, the best place to follow me. I'm very active on there. Uh, you'll notice that I do put out a lot of content that's for financial advisors, but I write it in a consumer-friendly way, and I have a lot of uh, business owners that follow along. Uh, I actually have two different podcasts. One is advisor-facing. It's called the Retirement Tax Services Podcast. And the one's consumer-facing. It's, it's more focused on planning for retirement and the tax planning that goes along with that, but it's called the Retirement Tax Podcast. But if you search my name on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, they'll both come up. And so I, I nerd out on taxes all day long. So anytime you need a little extra taxes in your life, come find me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Stephen. This was such a great conversation. Um, to all of our listeners who joined us today, thank you so much. And we will see you next time on the next episode of Teachers Make the Leap.
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Teachers Make the Leap. If you're excited to start your own online business so you can work from anywhere, make your own schedule, and skyrocket your earning potential, follow us on Instagram at Teachers Make the Leap, where you can download our free mini course from teacher to online business owner. We can't wait to help you make the leap from teacher to thriving business owner. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to the show on your favorite listening app and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you back here next week.